Bennett must have gone out and forgotten to jiggle the broken knob as I'd asked him to. The dogs could have gotten out. I had three. Cloud, a great Pyrenees that I called the Great White Canvas, and Chester and George, two goofy, needy, pitbull mixes that I fostered. The dogs were the only bone of contention between Bennett and me. He wanted me to stop trying to rescue every stray at the expense of my work, but I suspected he really couldn't bear dog hair on his sweaters. Bennett was always cold, even in summer. He claimed he had Raynaud's syndrome, in which the veins in one's extremities constrict, resulting in cold hands and feet. Bennett feared the advanced form in which one's fingers and toes can atrophy but his hands were never cold on my skin. By contrast, I ran hot. I was the first to wear sandals in spring. I never wore a scarf. I never caught a chill in air conditioning. This was not because I carried any bulk. As I shouldered open my front door against the delirious wagging greeting waiting for me on the other side, I noticed rose petals strewn across the foyer. Had Bennett scattered them? It seemed cheesy, unlike him. A man who remembers everything you tell him doesn't need to resort to a cliché. Bennett saw and understood me in a way I'd not known before. It wasn't just paying attention. It was that he knew before I did what I would want, whether it was on a menu or a screen or a disc. Of course... This knowledge extended into the bedroom. I bent to pick up some of the petals and saw that they were paw prints. So, not a tired romantic gesture after all. What now appeared to be an abstract floral stencil across the hardwood floor led all the way to the bedroom. The Fosters, Chester and George, had gotten into the garbage? Dogs track leftover puttanesca sauce throughout an apartment? Another cliché I rejected. Chester and George were gentlemen, though Bennett was irritated by the half-chewed bones they left strewn about the apartment. His tripping over bones and squeaky toys was another reason he wanted me to find them a permanent home or give them back to the East Harlem animal shelter I'd rescued them from. A donation I had made to a local animal rescue organization had apparently landed me on a mass email list, and ever since I'd received near-daily photos and profiles of dogs with hours to live if I did not take action. The pit bulls, Chester and George, had been on death row, waiting to be euthanized. In the photo, they leaned into each other, and each extended a paw in greeting. It was more than I could resist. When I went to the shelter, their kennel cards identified them as no concern. A kennel worker told me that meant the best temperament of all. They'd done nothing to anyone except give love and want it in return. I filled out the paperwork, paid two adoption fees intending only to foster, and the next day, Cloud and I picked them up in a zip car. Bennett couldn't tolerate the constant chaos of three big dogs in a small apartment, and maybe he was right. The dogs were taking over my life.
Were these rescues a form of pathological altruism? This was the basis of my research, a test to identify victims whose selflessness and hyper-empathy were so extreme that they attracted predators. Bennett needed order to function, while I needed messy, lovable bedlam. When he visited from Montreal, he hung his Oxford cloth shirts and chinos, while I left my leggings, vegan leather vest, and layers of tank tops crumpled on the bed. He emptied the dishwasher he had filled and run, while I left my dirty dishes in the sink. Hardest for me, he didn't like the dogs sleeping on the bed with us. He didn't like the dogs, and they knew it. Dogs do. They obeyed, but Bennett gave his commands more harshly than was necessary. I had told him so more than once.